Welcome to the Stockman Grass Farmer Podcast, where our mission is to help create a healthy planet and people through profitable grass-based livestock production. Grass farming is a 24-7 job and you can't always get away, so we've put together this podcast so that you can listen while you work or whatever you're doing, but always on your schedule, whenever and wherever you want. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to freebies and special offers. Join our email family and stay up to date on our happenings and like us on social media. This is part four of Anwal's discussion of qualities and attributes of forage-fed beef. Yes, sir. On that share force thing, I've understood that 29 was optimal share force for tenderness. Well, the Newton, yeah, yeah, 30, 30 is the same as, is as good. Would be a slightly no, not out of question, but it's a little bit tougher. Okay. Yes. Remember here we're using these newtons units. Okay. The units here are newtons, called newtons. Okay. So these are not just uh, pounds. This are this is a different unit. This is similar. This is a conversion. This is a more European unit. Uh, let's see what's there. <coughs> so, aging. If we look at the figures, and we did up to 25 days, 21, 25. 28, excuse me. Uh, look at this, uh, the, um, the shear forces or the tenderness. The pasture steers in this case were up there. And these were below here. Uh, the difference again was so short that you, when you do it on a panel, having people give their opinion, uh, we couldn't tell that apart. The panel found the, the, as the numbers increased here, the tenderness increased. This is a different scale. Uh, they found uh, the 14-day aged beef a little more tender than the three-day, but there is no differences here and no differences in 28 days of aging. So, Again, uh, the whole story repeats. And, and, and uh, Everything goes back to this. We, I think we keep talking about getting this minimum amount of fat, making that animal's life easy, uh, what they call the luxury life. And it's all associated to grazing quality grasses or quality forages. Uh, I wish we could have, a, in most of the cases, most of the time, the uh, highest, highest quality pastures are the leaves, the leafy pastures. Leaves are what we need to harvest. Stems, other things, they're not as good. Yes, of course, this is the ideal world. We were not here ever, but that's what we have to keep in mind. When they're harvesting a field for hay or we're harvesting a field for silage, yeah, high yields per acre are interesting, but if, we, if we're having harvesting stems, if you're harvesting too much fiber, not too many leaves, we're getting away from, from our target, from the quality of that grass or forage that we need. Uh, so this would be the perfect world. Unrestricted intake of leaves year-round. Wow, that would be the ideal world and no bloat. <laughs> <laughs> Green leaves. green leaves, yeah, green leaves like this. 
we have not many places in the world where you can have that. Yeah, really. Maybe the New Zealanders do. Um, some places in a little far north from where I am, they, they can do some of that, some of this almost 11 months, 10 months of the year. We count where we are. But uh, again, this is what we're targeting for. And this doesn't mean that washi feed that I was talking about. Leaves have to be structured. If you look at these pictures closely, we're going to go through them tomorrow. We're not talking this, you know, three, five inch or three inch grass. We're talking grass. I mean, we're talking green growing grass that has digestible fiber to it and the balance. And we're going to talk about the balance tomorrow, too. So again, this is what I would like you to keep on always in mind that uh, we're targeting for this. We're talking about alpha pastures. We're grazing pastures. We're not just grazing short little plants, we had to take great pastures. And, and, and many of us, again, are, are used to this. We, I, I, I've been here in the U.S. several times, and I've been to ranches and places where they, gra they graze uh, very good pastures. And, uh, and this is part of the story, but it's not all of it. It's not all of it. Uh, the picture of a nice set of steers grazing, uh, let's see if I have any picture anymore, like, this one right here, up in the top here. These are steers out of Nebraska in, in summer. This is not from my home, and you couldn't get any better than that. This is great, but that's the picture. That's, that's a month or two in a year, or three months. We have to evolve from that to a program, to a year, or a season. And that's what, when the challenges come, because we can learn to do that, and this is any, like doing any stalker program. We can do the stalker program almost anywhere and you do a better job than most of us. The stalkers are easy to deal with, but when it comes to, to the finishing end, when we want that, that fleshness, that, that round, roundness around the animal, is when the, the things are, are a little more challenging. All this planning needs to be a little more uh, developed. So. This is a beautiful picture in the spring, but what happens if this is the last month of summer? We're, we're, we're heading to a crisis here because we have many of these animals nearly ready, or, or, or they're heavy feeders, or heavy stalkers, and we're facing fall. What do we do then? We rush to sell them, and they're not finished yet? Do we, put them, do we put them in a feed yard and feed them hay? Do we keep them through fall, trying to gain weight? So that's the challenge. You know, how and when we want these guys. We, want this, we need this picture, but as early in the season as possible, so that we have the time when that, that finishing window happens to us, that we have, to have, the, we have the time to, to reach that target weight and, and, and fleshing or, or finishing on the animal. So it is important to know uh, that we're capable of doing this, but it's more important to know when, you know, the benchmarks, when we do this, when we need it. If, if you did it right, what would be the time lapse between the top left picture and the bottom right? Or the or here? Yeah. Well, uh, let's say that we are having here, maybe we're 300 pounds or so from, from this. Uh, so it's good, and that would take, uh, it would take a month and a half, two months. Depends on the gain, we're going to go through the gains, but if you're making two pounds a day, uh, 
Maybe you need for a, or, or three pounds a day, maybe a month away or two months away. See, um, it all depends on how they weigh and how, how, how what the target weights are. This, this guys, for example, this, this where, on average, this group was sold at around uh, two, 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 uh, two years of age. Uh, this one in particular had 18 months of age at slaughter. Um, it's very hard to go be, to be below two months of age, two, two years of age. It's very hard to be below with steers. And this were 1,100 pounds. They weren't 1,400 pounds. Like in your case, you have heavier animals, heavier frame. You may have to go through another half a year or, or speed everything faster at the beginning to get to the two-year-old fat steer at slaughter. So. What? Yes. Well, I was going to go back to that. Uh, we 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 are new in this business. Heifers or some lighter animals that finish slightly better, or I mean faster, earlier, would be more flexible. So heifers would be a way to go. Many of us are think, thinking now that twice because heifers have a very good price in the market. At home, we used to. Most of the country killed the heifers for five years or six years, during five or six years, when cattle prices were a third of what they are today. Our present prices at home are the same as yours here. They used to be about a third five years ago, six years ago. That was good for some of us that kept the animals, for the ones that sold and, and sold the heifers and sold everything for meat. Now they cannot go back to this business. So. There is, a, there is a very, very important uh, heifer market now building. So you think twice that you're going to kill the heifer. But, but again, yes, going to the question, yes, if you want to start and you want to build your confidence, it would be better off doing this with, with spade heifers and then progress into the steer program that needs uh, maybe 200 pounds or 300 pounds more than a heifer. So this is what Alan was referring to about the, the fleshness uh, developing a <coughs> or uh, feeling this back quarter back here, having enough round. The bottom of the round here should drop down and have a really well-developed back quarter with this, this uh, uh, fat the deposits of globules here, uh, those are indicators of finishing. Um, again, it won't look as a feedlot steer, but they look pretty finished to me. Maybe your, your market, your target is different, and maybe you need a little more fat. <coughs> but getting more than this in our programs is difficult. It may mean six months uh, more on the place. Here, for example, if, if I was in this picture, in late uh, summer, I know that I won't get here, or early early fall. I know I won't get to this finishing in two or three months in my part of the world. So what I do, I, I do, I go through. I just plan for finishing in winter time. Uh, in my part of the world, I say, well, I'm going to finish in winter. I forget the fall. I I will slow down the pace a bit here. Don't worry too much. But then I finish them in six months from. I get them finished over the six months instead of it rationing two month or two or three month period. You see what I'm saying here? I know that it's gonna, they're going to be finished at, let's say, two and a half months of age. 
But from that study, I know that if I do the things right, tenderness is not going to be that different. And I may have a more homogeneous and consistent product. You're going to finish them on winter angles. Yes, most likely. <coughs> yes. And then <coughs> this comes back to a story that uh, we have to... <coughs> Well, we have a few more pictures here, but these are grazing alfalfa pastures, and we're going to go back to it. Uh, alfalfa is the evil of all grasses, you know, all forages, the evil of all evils. But that's what we have at home because we're too dry to, be, to have better grasses. I wish we had, a, you know, the right grass, white clover pastures that some other parts of the world have. Where we are at, this is we're in a 28-inch, 30-inch rainfall area. And uh, we're, we're, we're lucky that we have sandy soils, so alfalfa's do pretty good. Uh, so it's a very um, common and uh, simple forage to deal with, although we have the bloat issue all the time, and we will talk about that. But, uh, but this is when we talk about alfalfa pastures, this is what they look like. We're not talking about, you know, 20% alfalfa and then bloating on the animals on a, on a patch of alfalfa when you're trying to graze the grass all around it. The, the key thing, I think, for bloat is, is that you graze the alfalfa. You're just not grazing the grasses and trying to avoid the alfalfa. Many times we have grass legumes in these pastures, and we graze the pasture suffering the legume. Am I making any sense? We graze the grass, we graze the mixture, and we know that that legume is there, it's going to create bloat. But we have, to grass the, we have to graze the grass. And every now and then we have this, this little patch there that bloats an animal. Here we're talking about grazing the, grass, the, the legume. I mean, we're managing for the legume, the grass is... And you get used to it and you manage it. These fields have 80%, 85% grass, legume, I mean. 20% grass, fescue, or nothing. And we lost, uh, this last uh, five, six years to the drought, we lost all the grasses. See, they're not that deep-rooted, so we lost them. So these are pure, pure stands of alfalfa. And uh, is that the perfect world? It's not, but we lost the grasses. We're trying to go, grow back into these grasses, like the orchard grass, the fescues, uh, um, some of the perennial ryegrass, but uh, not much of a success yet. So this is what we're talking about, grazing alfalfa. The gains on this thing, is, uh, they're not perfect. They're... You know, you're lucky if you get the two pounds, two and a half pounds in spring. But they're okay for, for the rate of finishing that we need or fattening that we need, the rate of gain. And if we have this frame three, frame four type of animals, that's where everything matches. We have a good match of energy or quality forage and animal size. Uh, if we had the larger animals, then we have to go into a, maybe a program that we have to add in there summer grasses, summer annuals like sorghum or the green leaf corn for grazing to, to boost the gains in summer for those animals that are close or closer to finishing and uh, they don't finish because they're too big or the frame score is too big, is too, too large. Yes, sir. I want to finish the animal would the body condition score be six or seven? Or body conditions is always this, oh, body condition score. Yes, uh, we, don't, we don't body condition the, 
the, the slaughter animals, the, the, the steers. Body conditioning is more for the cows and heifers. But again, uh, if you have to translate the body condition, uh, yeah, it's going to be an eight. An eight? Yes. Those steers that we looked at before, that one? They would be like an eight. Uh, if, we, if they were heifers, if they were heifers, they would be more like eights. But again, body condition is not something that we use for, for, for steers or heifers that are grown for meat. We do body conditioning for replacing the heifers or cows. When you're doing this legume grass uh, mixture, doesn't the cows prefer one or the other? Hope you're enjoying the presentation and we'll jump right back in, but I wanted to first remind you to visit the show notes for freebies, deals, and more. While you're there, don't forget to join our email family to stay up to date on all the current events. Now back to the show. Oh, yeah. When you have the grass, the question is if when we have the grass, legume mixtures, do they, pref do they prefer one to the other? <clears throat> they go for the grass if the grass is leafy. If the grass grows uh, uh, off of the, really from the crown, and we don't have this stemmy grass, they, so they go for the grass first, and then they go right away to the, to the alfalfa, to the, to the legume. But they really prefer the grass uh, if they have a leafy grass, like orchard, gra orchard grass when it's short, the perennial rye grass is a good uh, example. In this places, in this this field, however, we had fescue, mostly fescue as a as a grass, and fescue is not that palatable. So you have to keep it down, really down, and 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 leafy to make it palatable, and and have them go for the grass. <coughs> Otherwise, they they go for the mixture, or sometimes they just stay on there, on the first top part of the alfalfa pasture. So. Having the grass in the mixture helps with bloat. I would say that's a, it's a very, uh, it's a, it isn't a strategy, but it's not the, uh, the strategy that will prevent bloat <coughs> from happening. <coughs> Do you find much difference between um, white clover and alfalfa in terms of its food value? Food value? Um, white clover, it's better, has a, it's less um, a stemmy, has a higher proportion of leaves to stem, <coughs> so the leaf to stem ratio is higher. It has less, li less lignin, it lignifies less than alfalfa. For the same reason, it tolerates the heat summer, the summer, hot, the summer heat, uh, summer temperatures less than alfalfa, and more so if, if the moisture drops. So. It's not that uh, white clover would not be tolerant to summer slumps as alfalfa is. Um, it gives us, white clover gives us the opportunity of more frequent grazings. Uh, alfalfa needs a rest period, needs a rest period uh, that are slightly longer. And so we need to be a high intense, low frequency, uh, a program on alfalfa compared to white clover. Uh, white clover, however, <coughs> is going to be as bloating as alfalfa is if you are into a time of the year and a situation where... Um, uh, something else happens, though, when you can plant, where you can plant white clover and be successful with it, most likely there you can also have perennial rye grass or some of these nice uh, grasses 
with it. And most likely also the soils are better than the soils you would use this alfalfa on. So the mixture is going to be a little more grassy. You have more grass to, to legume and everything is going to be more palatable or similar. So again, the grass, the animals will go for the grass too. So, and so that's why in case, some cases you see less bloat on white clover ryegrass mixture than on alfalfa pastures because we're talking about different environments. Another thing we've learned in these mixtures or these pastures is that we can have here eight, ten varieties, ten, ten species of grasses and legumes. At the end of the day, we end up with two or three that are the productive ones, that are the, one that's, that are the ones that really you rely on. So my suggestion is, at least in most of our cases, we don't need to plant uh, six, seven, eight species make a very expensive planting to end up with two or three and sometimes with one like we do and I say this because I see many of you and many places that you know the planting these pastures is so costly seed wise you know all the whole strategy because seeds are different sizes and different they have different they need different uh, tillage practices and that so we don't get we don't need to get too complicated with this so what, I'm, what I guess I'm trying to say also, we don't need to be creating a, uh, what will be a native range type of situation where in, in the native range you have several species, cool season, warm season. We're not really developing that. We're not that smart. Nature did that. We're not that smart. We can plant one or two or three species. That's all we do. And so we're not going to create a native range ourselves. You see, you see what I'm, no, it's not going to be native, but I'm trying to say that we're not, we're not going to mimic nature and create something that's going, be, that's going to be three times or four times more productive. We're giving diversity for productivity. In this field, we could have, uh, we could have had native range. In this field, we would, would produce about a third, no, excuse me, one-fifth of what this alfalfa pasture is producing. Of course, that native range would have been more stable, more flexible, more sustainable, if you want, or more resilient. Uh, however, we, or my ancestors, or we choose, we've chosen to replace that for productivity. Am I making any sense here? I went a little bit off the <laughs> track here, but I want to make that point because sometimes we think that we are creating. We're trying to develop a pasture that's going to look like a highly productive native range, and that's not going to happen. If we want to have a, a, the diversity of, the, our, of a range, of a native range, then let's the native range take that land back, if it can. In many parts of the world, there's no chances of recuperating the, the fields to native ranges anymore, because we have disturbed them for so many years that uh, that there's no chance of getting them back. Anyway, this is the story of this uh, <coughs> pictures. I just wanted just to show you pictures of stalkers uh, grazing and uh, finished animals, what they look like, uh, or in my eye, <coughs> what we're targeting for. We're really looking at this bulky, mussy animal, massy. It has to have, we really look at the back, the roundness, the thickness, uh, flatness of the back. But we don't want something you know, with globules of fat, but that's not going to happen. We have a little bit of 
fatness in the back here. And that's about as much as we need. These guys were all between 3 and 4% intramuscular fat. They're not, they're not about that. This again, uh, these were all about two years old, maybe 24, 26 months, the last uh, uh, group. This, uh, this was a commercial farm, so we started to sell these guys when they were 18 months old, all the way to 24. So we're talking of a group here that was more than about 600, 600 of them. There's always some that get finished faster and easier and earlier, and some take a little longer. So all this group was sold in, in a five-month range period. I get confused between a harvesting date and a harvesting weight. Harvesting date. Harvesting date. How old should the animal be mm -hmm. versus how much it should weigh. Okay. And how it affects tenderness, flavor. Okay. The harvesting date or harvesting target age-wise or date-wise is to me between 18 months of age to about 24, 26 months of age. And we're talking there six month harvesting window age-wise or date-wise. Um, what is going to be consistent across all those ages is the finishing or, the, or, the, or this fatness ar around them. So uh, in your case, in our case, the buyers are looking at the age a little bit first, but they really want to have an eye on the finishing more than anything. The back fat, the finishing, this, this condition. So if he is 18 months old and he's already like this, he's ready to go. But this guy here could be 24 months old and he's ready to go now, not before, not when he was 18. Because genetics are not you know, they're homogeneous, but there's always differences in between animals. So these two guys may be four months old or three months old different. different. So you're going to look at the condition of the animal. More than anything. And within an age, of course, an age frame, they say, well, I, want, I don't want animals that are three years old, but I don't want them to be maybe 18 months old. Well, you could be within that window. In your case, you may say, well, I want to sell everything before two years and a half when they are two and a half years old because that's you know, too long and money-wise, expense-wise, it's costly and the market. But you could, you're going to be battling with that within, that within that age frame. It's not going to be a target age. More than anything, there's going to be a target finishing. Now, when we go to weight, in my part of the world, the weights are around 1,100, 1,200, up to 1,400 pounds. More than anything, is, mo everything is going to, most, most of the time, we're going to be between around 1,100 pounds at slaughter. But if they're not fleshed yet, if they don't have enough finishing, I have to wait longer. What weight are they going in? Excuse me, sir? I'm going to start just thinking, this is assumed to be like a feed yard. Well, we have a feed yard situation here. What weight are they? These were all one time stocker calves. Yes. Right? Yes. So what weight are they going into that upper back? Oh, they've been on this program from, up, from right after weaning. So they go into a cycle 
of alfalfa pasture winter annual summer annual so we're going to talk about that tomorrow uh, if you have the opportunity sometimes you have a, like a native range or, or other pastures to put them during to do this backgrounding what they call they grow them but uh, that during that growing period you're also thinking about the finishing you're not just forgetting you don't you don't forget about the finishing ever because the growing is also targeting for some some fat deposition See, if, uh, fat deposition is always, yeah, we're right on time. The fat deposition happens, you know, very slow at the beginning, and then you, you end up laying more fat at the end when the animal getting, is getting close to the adult size. But, but it's not a discrete process. It's a continuous process. So if you feed them well at the beginning, you are laying fat anyway when the animal is young. And you think about the kids, you know, our kids, some are a little fatter than others early on. And that's what we're doing here. We're trying to get them to grow and lay a little bit of fat all the way, if you have the chance. And if, you, if you have the chance, they're ready when they're ready, like I was saying. They could be 18 months old, 19 months old, that they could be ready if they reached your target weight. Or they could be 24 months old and they're ready. Again, this, this concept of growing and finishing, I think you have to, has to evolve from separate compartments to a more continuing phase or a combined compartments. There is a growing stalker program, but at the same time you're thinking how, wh when and how you're going to finish them. When, if, if, you're not really, if you don't have an excellent finishing potential there because your pastures are not terribly good, and you still want to do grass-fed, you may have to put a little more emphasis during the stalker program after weaning to gain weight there if you want them finished uh, later on. So we're going to go back to that, but it's 12. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Well, check out the episode notes. And always remember the advice from cows and be outstanding in your field. See you next time.